Welcome to the Hope on the Hard Road podcast, where you and your family can find community, find encouragement, and find hope for the road ahead. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you will all be together in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Hey guys, on today's episode we're talking about self-determination, a very popular subject right now in disability and special needs circles. You're going to love our guest and presenter, Casey Superstar. Casey has a passion to help support families like ours, and it shows. As both a parent and professional, she often says she didn't find the special needs community, it found her. You won't want to miss a minute of this informative episode, so grab your favorite cup of coffee and a notebook. Here we go. Casey, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. So Casey, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the entire special needs community. Very interesting. So I always tell people that I didn't find this community. It found me. And part of the reason is because my son is 18. He's on the spectrum. He was diagnosed at two years old. And my whole life just changed. Um, I always say at the, the date of diagnosis, like a fire within me got lit. But at that time, I knew nothing about the special needs field. I actually was going to school to to be an, I wanted to be an undercover cop. I was a criminal justice major. Wow. And so really my life was headed in a different trajectory. And I had no anticipation of working in this field until I just started researching, learning, growing, and started signing up for more and more classes in the special needs community. And um, that's kind of how I got my start. Sounds pretty similar to our story, you know, with Abby, just getting involved in all of the community. I, you just, you, it just goes from one thing to the next. You find out the, the community is pretty big. That is so true. You don't realize how big it is until you're in it. And you also don't realize in the moments of how your life is going to maybe be different than you had anticipated and until you maybe go to the play groups and learn like behavioral challenges aren't always accepted at, at play groups with mom, with all the moms. That's a little rough one. <laughs> Personally can attest to that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Casey, we wanted to have you talk to us today about self-determination. And so what is the self-determination program and who's a candidate for it? And then what are the benefits to even doing this program? Great question. So the self-determination program, honestly, for, for me, I they always say it's the freedom of choice. But the self-determination program went active July 2021 to all regional center clients. If you're a regional center client here in California, across any regional center, it's not just San Diego Regional Center, but it could be in LA or San Francisco, you qualify for this program. And I, you know, I have to tell you just to back up and give a little bit of history about the self-determination program. 
It is the longest standing pilot in the history of any piloted program. When families ask me, well, when did it start? I say, do you remember when Jurassic Park, like number one came out? <laughs> That's when it started. So from there in 2018, I'm thinking of the year, where are we? California picked 2,500 participants to be like a lottery, like they lottery participants in the program of self-determination. And San Diego got a large portion. And actually the great news is that San Diego County, our regional center system implemented the most amount of people in that program. So it went active July, 2021 to all regional center participants. Oh, that's great. So the benefits of the self-determination program is the freedom of choice. So what that means is in the traditional system of regional center, you're given services. I'll give you some examples like respite care, or maybe you're over 22, you're in a day program. Well, all of those programs add up to a dollar amount. The hard part about it and the reason the self-determination program was created is because all people don't fit into the box of regional center. So they need services, but the services offered don't aren't tailored to their needs. And so self-determination, that's why we call it the freedom of choice. And it is one of the founding principles of self-determination is freedom that you can choose your services and the services and the service providers too. So you can choose to go through a vendor or you can choose to hire your own staff. So it's very flexible in terms of spending that money, the pool of money that the traditional services offer, turning that into uh, better outcomes is always the goal of any program offered is that we have great outcomes in, in the participants' lives. Yeah. So that's where self-determination kind of comes from. It's, you know, who would be a great candidate? Someone who is a participant of Regional Center. And the benefits are the ability to spend the money in the way that, that you need. This isn't a want thing. This is based off of needs of an individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So how many phases are there uh, before you are active in this self-determination yes. program? I will tell you my phone rings and the families want to go into self-determination tomorrow. Absolutely. They want to snap their fingers and in they go. Unfortunately, it does not work like that. There are six phases of self-determination, to enter into the program of self-determination. I tell all of my families, which to some, they think this is a great analogy, but how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> it, it's one bite at a time. It's one step at a time. And I can kind of go over what the steps are so that everyone is aware. The first step is orientation. And then you do your person-centered planning process. You create your budget with the team. At that time, I pull you aside and we figure out who your banking system is going to be. Who's your financial management service? 
And then we come back to regional center with a spending plan. They offer us your final IPP, which is different than your yearly IPP. And you are given a self-determination waiver through that IPP. And you are ready to launch into self-determination. Mm. It's a process. Oh my goodness. It sounds like it for sure. So you mentioned orientation. Who has to complete this requirement? So every single participant needs to complete uh, orientation. It is mandatory and it is not a short process, although Regional Center has improved it, which is great news. It used to be very, very, very long, and now it's just long. So <laughs> <laughs> it used to be unmanageably long. So at this point, um, the great news is they've made uh, some improvements, and you can also do it from the comfort of your own home, which is nice, kind of the, if there's a, I don't know, benefit to COVID, it's that families are, have, they actually have more access to information and they can Zoom and they can do it from on their timing, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely good. Um, so one of the things I know with the program is an independent uh, facilitator. So how do you go about signing up for one of those? Okay, so this is a really, really critical uh, concept. Just like not all services are created equal, not all facilitators are created equal. And I have to tell you, I, I went through two separate trainings and twice certified in the principles of self-determination. But the reason that I am here is because I have personal experience in the special needs field because it, it it's on my doorstep. I wake up every day. It's in my He's in my house and it's part of who he is and it's impacted my everyday life. And so I feel like a facilitator that has some connection to this industry. I'm not saying you have to be a parent to be a great facilitator, but what I am saying is I have uh, experienced professionals like psychologists have decided to become independent facilitators. I've seen BCBAs become facilitators and they do a wonderful job. This isn't uh, anybody against anybody. This is more like, what's your skin in the game? Like, why do you care about this community so much? And so your facilitator should have some role in that. And it's really important to ask them, like, what trainings have you taken? Because um, there's a lot of training that goes into doing this job to its fullest. And so I want to make sure that the families out there that are searching and looking, um, that they ask the right questions in regards to why someone's here, what they're hoping to get out of it. And you're going to spend a lot of time with this individual. So do your personalities match? Um, and do they have a track record? Most of us do. I'm known for being, you know, upbeat, very, very outgoing, a tad sassy, <laughs> uh, while the next facilitator might be quieter and that might be more your fit for your family. It's, it's all depending on what the needs of the individual are and how their family operates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's such good information. So how does these uh, facilitators get paid? 
excellent question. So there is, there's the process of going into self-determination that DDS has allotted $2,500. Okay. And can you share what DDS real quick? Yeah. Department of Developmental Services. They have allotted a pot, a pool of money that would go to the facilitator but the families need to be aware that this means that they would be fully integrated into the self-determination program. I have I have to like, here's my like small print. Be careful. Make sure that someone who's offering person-centered planning services, which is part of the phases, it's phase number two, make sure that they are not charging you the entire $2,500. In this industry, we're protecting um, facilitators and we're teaching facilitators what's right and accurate. But until there's guidelines in place, sometimes on a few occasions, we've seen um, people mismanage these funds. So to the families, make sure that you make it all the way into self-determination before that $2,500 is charged. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Casey, for sharing that. That's so important for families to know. I do have to say there is one other aspect of funding because I talked about getting into the self-determination program, but then what about once you're in? Right. Some families can choose to manage their own loved one's case. They can also choose to put their own child into self-determination. Um, I I support both if you're if you're the right candidate, if you're experienced enough as a parent in this field. You can do the training. You can do it independently. If you need case management, those independent facilitator funds come out of your loved one's budget. So you need to be aware that if you're budgeting a certain allotment for each service, then there might not be anything left over for a facilitator. I've seen that on a number of occasions where I came onto a case where it was already established and they were lacking a few services that they would actually qualify for. And so unfortunately there wasn't any room for me to support them. So you have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Again, really good information for families to know. So what is a person-centered planning process? And then what are the goals with that process? So the person-centered plan process, that's phase number two of the self-determination kind of onboarding. And, you know, people name it all sorts of things. The famous name for person-centered planning is a party with a purpose. Mm -hmm. The whole idea is that you set up goals, you figure out the circle of support in a, in a participant's life, and you figure out what what unmet needs are in their life. You figure out what needs are getting met and is it the right fit? As our loved ones age, those services, they, they change, the needs change. So you need to make sure that your person-centered planning process is done in a way that incorporates the participant. Is It can be super fun and it could be themed. It can be all sorts of things in order for participation to happen. But at the end of the day, person-centered planning 
And the goals and unmet needs from that document are used in the budget creating process. So families have all sorts of unique circumstances, all sorts. And the person-centered planning process should utilize and incorporate those um, unique circumstances so that the goals and the unmet needs all add up to services. That's the whole idea is that a person's life is kind is planned out with their participation. At the end of the day, it's like I see so many individuals that have special needs that I I say it like they don't even pick their own underwear. So to choose a goal that's maybe a year out could be very difficult for someone who has different abilities. And so we kind of take baby steps to get there. So it's really fun. It's great process. And I've seen so much growth, like, oh, I didn't realize I could think of something like that. Or I didn't know that people write something like that down. I want to have a girlfriend or I want to live one day, you know, in an apartment. I didn't, I didn't know I could say that out loud and to see growth and freedom just come out um, is just so heartwarming to me. And to be part of that process is just the joy of my life. Well, I love that. How does a family develop the budget that's needed? And maybe how does it advocate for more services along the way too? So that's an interesting part because we take that person-centered plan we were just talking about and regional center sits down with a report called your year's expenditure report. So they look at what money was spent on services in the past year. And they utilize that report to create a budget. And that's where advocacy comes in is to show the needs of an individual's life, where they are now, and maybe what their family circumstances are to create a budget. So this budget is hot ticket item for all of our families out there that they want to know all about the budget. Well, it's very difficult to just give you an exact like estimation. Families go, how much do you think my budget will be? Your budget will be the needs of your loved one. the actual answer of your budget will be whatever your loved one needs based off of their ability and their current age. There's a lot of factors. So I would imagine there's a strong correlation between the budget then and also when you, the process you talked about setting goals. So uh, can you maybe elaborate on setting goals that you know dictate a need for more in their budget? Yes. So when you do the IPP process yearly, usually around your loved one's birthday, that IPP has outcomes on it. Those outcomes and the goals in your IPP are what holds the regional center system responsible and holds them liable for the services offered. Regional Center also has a job, duty, and responsibility to prove why they're giving these services, right? 
So to me, the, the facilitator, independent facilitator, I utilize the IPP's goals, the goals on their PCP, person-centered plan, and we turn those into services in the traditional system. This is before self-determination. This is before you're choosing how to spend the money. This is in the development of the plan that they either should have always had. Right. How many families are like, oh, all I get is respite. They check on us once a year to make sure we're alive. Um, you know, I what can I get from regional center? How are they going to help my loved one? Um, doesn't really sometimes feel like they are. And my answer to that to regional center and to the families, a lot of families have been fighting the school system and they're tired and they're exhausted. Yep. And regional centers just, okay, respite, bye. But the reality is assessments of need can be created and done to figure out where the needs are, even in the traditional system. And everyone's needs change. I don't know how often people go, here's an example. I'll use my own life as an example. My family lived very close to me and they were my natural supports. So when I needed to go get my nails done, get my hair done, I would utilize either my natural supports or my respite care, depending on the circumstance. My family all moved. My mom went to Idaho. My brother went to Arizona. What did I do as the parent? I got on my computer and I typed an email to my regional center service coordinator and said, listen, I have a hard thing that's happened in my life. That hard thing looks like my entire family moved away from me. I'm not, I'm not sure it was me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're <laughs> running away from me. I'm not sure, um, but they did. And now my supports are, are gone. Most families don't have a circumstance happen in their life and go up. I need to email regional center, but they, you need to, if you're listening to this and you're here and your child is part of the regional center system and you have a change in circumstance in your life, it could be anything from my spouse has cancer or an illness or a major surgery. Mm -hmm. Your job and your responsibility as the parent and the loved one and the caretaker is to contact regional center so that they are informed of what's going on in your life. This concept falls through the cracks so often. And in self-determination, when I go to put a family in, they're like, what do you mean you don't know that my husband had this happen? Or you don't, how does regional center not know? And I, and I turn to the family and I say, well, when did you tell them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the harsh reality is I, I do come, you know, with the, I understand both sides of the system. Regional center can't read your mind and families don't reach out sometimes. And hopefully this helps you kind of create um, a, a journey map, a guide to know what to do when you have a change in circumstance in order to get the services that you need. Yeah, that that is so great, Casey, because you're really just empowering families and, and letting them know what they are um 
you know, allowed to do and not only allowed to do, but should be doing, um, if needed. So that's, that's fabulous. Thank you. You know, going back to sort of the budgeting idea, right? So how can you, or can you explain more about the spending plan? Okay. So the spending plan is the fun part of this. I feel like this is the part where I'm like hopes and dreams. Let's, let's make it happen. So we take that pot of money that regional center and the families all agreed upon in the budget. And we transfer that into a spending plan. So a lot of families, I know people like examples of like what could be on a spending plan. Yeah. For starters, we're going to just, I'm going to mention the hardest aspect in this community is staffing. Families are like, we get respite, but I can't use it because there are no providers available. Where are these providers? Absolutely. Number one critical element for programs, number one critical element for the families. The coolest part, I think is the coolest part, is that you can literally hire anybody that can pass and does pass a live scan, which a live scan is the clearance through the Department of Developmental Services, DDS, has a life scan process that you go through. It's not difficult. Um, it's very much, uh, I am so thankful for the system. It helps, I, I say catch the bad guys, but if you um, want to make sure for sure that you're not subjecting your loved one to a sexual predator or um, someone who has a criminal history, so this, this is a great tool that really helps um, keep our loved ones safe, mm -hmm. especially when you're hiring from the outside. Mm -hmm. um, you can utilize through the spending plan. Um, let's, I'll give you an example. Uh, day programs, a lot of them are really struggling right now. I mean, not every single one, but a lot of them are struggling with staff being open full time. Some of them are on a hybrid schedule. I mean, we're far past the COVID pause of right. life and they're still, our, our adults are at home and the families are just watching. They're like, I feel like I'm watching my loved one just deteriorate, just, you know, lose their skills. And this has been painful enough for all of us, but they need their programming back. This is the solution for that. So you can take those funds, and this is like the fun time where I have families developing co-ops. I have, um, you know, families banding together, like to create what's needed for their loved ones. Social opportunities. Um, let's see, what do I have on budget? So now I'm like, Okay, independent living. I have uh, you hired staff that come in and they do like, you know, kitchen safety and cooking and developing more meal planning. Um, how are they with chores in the house, especially for those that want to live independently? I mean, our goal should be for our children to be as independent and self-sufficient as they can be. I encourage all of my families in this direction. And to some families, they're like, no, no they're going to stay with me forever. And, and I said, oh, and my, my question to them 
is are you going to live forever? Because at some point, our loved ones need to be set up, encouraged, taught independence, as much independence as they can have. So that when we are not here anymore, um, they are able and they're more prepared and they are even, you know, I would say more able than than those that are just isolated to their own personal family. Mm-hmm. That's a good reality check too, Casey. It really is. It's so hard. I mean, personally, you understand this. We understand this to face that fact, but it is a fact and none of us knows how long we have on this earth. Um, but that is, that is such a good reality check for families. And, and also just the, the fact that as you're developing that independence and that self-sufficiency to whatever level our child slash adult child can do, they're gaining confidence and, you know, they're encouraged by it. They, they, that breathes life into our children. So it's a good thing. It's so great. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, say, the IPP, the what it is at the uh, tail end, say, of the self-determination program? Perfect. The tail end is, it's so interesting because families expect this long, drawn-out IPP. They offer to bring all of these people. And I really tell them it's it's really not necessary This IPP is different than what we experience yearly. It is very, very different. They quickly go through like the outcomes and the goals. And then basically they put an addendum together that changes your child's waiver. So a lot of our, not all, not all, but a lot of our loved ones are on the DD waiver and they need to be transferred to the self-determination waiver. It's um, legal for, you know, regional center and it just makes it really official. And then the funds and the funding come out of that self-determination waiver. So I tell families it's about 40 minutes. We don't, you don't need to bring your attorney. Um, You can just come. It's okay. Because they're a little fearful, a lot of our families, but it's the final stepping stone to get into self-determination and to go active in life. So how long is it probably from start to finish is this process before you get to there? It depends on who you are. Had a mom call me three days ago. She's been working on self-determination for one full calendar year. Um, For me, it's about four months with no major roadblocks. Right. And I have to tell you, The one most important thing, and I want my families to be like encouraged, is that this process is getting better. The regional center here in San Diego, they have done a phenomenal job at improving the roadblocks. It is not perfect. Regional center will also say it is not perfect, but they have put a lot of practices in place that help the process. It all boils down to one one category. And the IPP is obviously the finalized uh, portion I for active self-determination. Um, but for the for the process to go as smooth as possible, it's all in the paperwork. Do you have your incident reports in writing? 
Do you have denials or approval of services in writing? And for families, they are like, I didn't realize that was important. So every facilitator has their own strategy and their own method of helping this process so that by the time you get to the IPP process, you're not so burned out. You know, four months can sound like a long time. It could be three. It could be six. I mean, everyone's needs are so different. For me, it's it's been about four months. I mean, I like to make sure I do it right. So I'd rather take a little bit longer. Yeah, that's so good. You know, so looking at this overall picture of the self-directed program, what are the outcomes that you're seeing? So this is like the best news I have to share is the outcomes in self-determination are proven through research and studying to have better outcomes in the participant's life. They're building more skills. They're more self-reliant. They, um, they're growing. We all talk about progress, progress in our loved one's life. And I, you know, Elijah, my oldest, that's on the spectrum. I didn't know this concept really. He's my firstborn. All I knew was slow progress. Mm -hmm. And I just thought all children kind of developed like that. I didn't realize until my second son, Ethan, was born, the progress is typically a lot faster. Milestones are made a lot faster than they were in, in Elijah's life. So progress is everything to us as parents, as mm-hmm. caregivers, and it could be a smallest grain of rice progress. And we're going out to dinner. We're celebrating. That's we're right. like, cheers to that. Wow. Yep. Milk with your cereal. Boom, you just graduated, um, <laughs> you know? So we, we in my family, we do celebrate even the smallest, um, even the smallest progress because I know how hard my son has worked his entire life for language, to be able to eat food, um, social skills, all life skills, activities of daily living skills, all of it. It's taken, it's been grueling and it's taken lots and lots of years to make, to get him where he is today. And by the way, he just graduated from high school. We're so excited. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, but progress is everything. So to have a program show and reflect something so positive The reason it's so positive is because the individuals that are impacted, the individuals that are participating in this program, their person-centered plan leads them to where they want to go. And this is a hard concept for our parents because I'm here to implement what what the participant wants. Uh, that, That is so good. It really is, Casey. Yeah, you already alluded to a lot of this, like hope along the way and, and uh, forward thinking. But one of the things we always like to do is ask this question. Um, what is one thing that you would like our families to know that uh, would bring hope and encouragement on the road ahead? One thing? <laughs> I'm supposed to give you one thing. Okay, I will say this. It's going to be the longest run on sentence in the world. But um, my phone rings every day with people that are in pain. They are suffering. They're they feel lost. 
in the special needs program. They they talk about there's no book, there's no roadmap. Um, at the end of the day, I tell everyone that together we're stronger. I never thought I would step foot in a support group meeting. I thought it would be a bunch of parents crying in their beers. Um, I didn't want to be one of those. I wanted to be someone who was uh, making progress so that I could learn all I could to help and make the biggest impact in my child's life. So today I will say this, if you're struggling, if you're, um, instead of putting wine into a wine glass, if you're drinking straight out of the bottle, if you're not coping, if you don't have support, if, um, if you need help, please, I encourage you to reach out we're not here to, to judge anybody. We're not here. We're here to help and to be a light and to make sure you're getting to where you need to go. And we can handle any hard thing, but a simple email, a phone call, a text. You can text me personally. You can email me. And I know that's kind of the foundation of hope on on the hard road is, is this family mentoring and supporting the family. So you can contact them too. They're available. Um, I hope that you parents out there know that um, this is an isolating community. It can feel very hard and it can feel, you can feel alone, but to know that there are families that are thriving that have community within each other. I, I can't tell you how uh, it's changed my life. And I hope that, you know, one concept that always comes up in my mind, you guys, is that is that my phone always rings a lot before Thanksgiving, a lot more. And, and the fears that the, our community people impacted and their families are gonna go see the rest of their family. And they always say they don't understand. They they say I need to discipline more. Or something's wrong with my parenting. And um, birds of a feather, you know, we flock together. Like we're better together. I I tell everyone that if you're struggling, just reach out to us. We we can connect you, even with like same like personalities or same like life situations. Um, it doesn't matter where you stand or what your circumstances were here. That's right. Oh, Casey, thank you so much for sharing that. And just from your heart and um, sharing all of this really valuable information with our families listening. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I should tell you too, being Casey Superstar is a big name to live up to. I did not come up with it. <laughs> a clients did, but I, I hope that each and every person that's impacted differently, able, whatever you want to call it, that they can be a superstar, that they can see the, the, the bright side of who they are and they can shine and our world can be a better place because of them, not in spite of them. And I just appreciate you guys inviting me and hearing why the self-determination program is changing lives. I, I, can't talk about self-determination enough. So thank you so much. You bet. Thank you.
Resources and contact information for today's podcast will be included in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share us with others and be sure to follow us so you won't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment or rating and connect with us on social media or on our website at hopeonthehardroad.org.